This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. What impact has the, well, you know what, over the past two and a half years, we can't say the word because I'll get all kind of listings and flags all over my accounts, but you know what I'm talking about. What impact has that had over the last two and a half years on diversity, plus a new model of leading diversity strategically and the importance of leadership. That's all on the show today. Before I introduce my guest to you, I want to invite you to head on over to my website, top 5 productivitytips.com, which you will get my top five productivity tips. No, you'll get more than my top five productivity tips because I over deliver. Just head on over to top five productivitytips.com. Kay Formanek is the author of Beyond DNI, Leading Diversity with Purpose and Inclusiveness, founder of Diversity and Performance, former MD and partner. I forgot to ask her if MD is doctor. We'll find out from her in just a second, at Actuenture for 25 years. She was born in South Africa. By the way, here's a fun fact from Mr. Productivity. That would be me. Uh, my Siri is in the South African accent, just like you, I share that with you. She now lives in Netherlands, and she works globally, as so many people do. She is very passionate about diversity. Kay, welcome to the show. Wonderful to be here, and lovely to be talking about diversity. Yes. You know, it's so funny that people are so sensitive that you, you really can't say the C word or the P word. Otherwise, you get all these flags all over your account. Even though we're not talking about that, we're talking about how to lead during this time. I try not to say those words because I don't want my reach to be squelched because I said those two naughty words. It's kind of interesting. I can say the F word, nothing happens. But if I say the C or P word, <laughs> but we're not going. We're not going. We're not going to go real deep on that. So, I want to thank you publicly for sending me a copy of your book. Now, I was telling Kay before we started recording. A lot of authors, a lot of guests send me their books. I never read them before the interview, and a lot of my podcast colleagues will say, "Why not?" Because I want this to be an organic conversation. I don't want to ask Kay the same questions she's been asked in every other interview. So, I read the books after the interview. So I don't know what's in this book right now, other than it's about diversity with purpose and inclusiveness. So Kay, you are my guest on the show today. Where would you like to jump off? Because I think this is a fascinating topic. Well, let me jump off uh, by making a statement. You know, when we talk about diversity, what we know is that it is in the top 10 words that people actually don't know what it, we mean. <laughs> what I'm actually saying, Mark, is that if I go to any CEO or leader of an organization and I say, so what do you mean by diversity? It's going to be a struggle to get an answer mm -hmm. because people have just different lenses on the word. And that's where actually the problem is. So we, we can start with that. So what is the definition? So as we go through the conversation today, that we're all on the same page. So. For many people, diversity is what we cl classically call inherited diversity or diversity of demographics. It's uh, your color, it's your race, it's your gender, it's your age, it's your sexual persuasion, etc. cetera. Uh, increasingly, organizations are looking at diversity also for things which we call acquired diversity, what you've studied, where you've lived, your hobbies, your work experience, and those type of things. And actually, 
the inherited diversity plus the acquired diversity is where you really get the benefits uh, of perspectives, different thinking, uh, creativity. Uh, so it's those two things. I think that's fascinating and fascinating, I should say. I've never heard it explained that way before, and it makes a lot of sense. And what I see happening now in 2022, I, I just celebrated my 57th birthday. So when I started working back in the 1980s, the the workplaces were totally different, absolutely different. If you were in the front office, women wore blouses and skirts and dress shoes, and guys all wore white uh, white shirts with you know with tar- with dark ties and dress pants and dress shoes. Now it's because so many of us are working remotely. People are no longer looking just at your clothes. They they shouldn't look at your clothes. They should look at the knowledge and what you can bring to the business. I think that's one of the benefits, not just in the last two and a half years. I think in the last 15, 20 years, people are realizing, yeah, you know, maybe if you're doing a sales presentation, you should dress up. But if you're just going to be in an office someplace, maybe you don't need to dress up. And a lot of offices now allow you to wear jeans. And T-shirts because they're not paying you for the suit. They're paying you for your knowledge. And I think that's, correct me if I'm wrong, that's a little bit of diversity. Absolutely. Uh, Well, I I grew up in a professional services organization. And when you talk about appearance, uh, the sense was uh, to be a good consultant. You dressed in a certain way. And what unwittingly occurs is you start recruiting people. And before they've even opened their mouth, you look at how they look and how they dress. And you start saying, are they going to fit in? And in fact, that's the big barrier to diversity because uh, it's something which we call mini-me bias or uh, first impression bias. Mm -hmm. But perhaps what you're not seeing is a way of thinking, um, a a sort of personality type that will really uh, make – different decisions, different creativity. So yes, I think you're probably right. And indeed, I think in the last two years, as we've had to navigate uh, COVID, what it has really meant is that we've had to do a lot of virtual recruiting and people are just starting to uh, dress differently and in (laughs) fact, interview differently. I remember the first time I saw someone with uh, colored hair. It was a very blight blue. And I had never seen this before. So I'm like, whoa, this is weird. But then I said, you know, I didn't say anything to her. I, you know, my reaction on my face didn't say anything. But as I talked to her, I'm like, wow, this woman is smart. So I didn't just stop and go blue hair, weirdo, freak and moved on. I engaged in the conversation. And to your point, we got to be very careful with judging people with the color of the hair, if they have any hair, I have no hair or how they're dressed or any, you you can't judge people because what you're really, especially if you are a leader and you're hiring someone, you're looking for what's between their ears. You're not looking for, Oh, what color hair do they have? Oh, that's, that's a weird color shirt, whatever. That's important. I think if you're going to be a successful leader, you've got to look past the book cover. Ah, absolutely. And actually, that's why the book is called Beyond, because it's beyond what you're seeing. And, you know, uh, what I love what you're talking about is the curiosity. Uh, what we've actually seen through research 
is that when leaders and members of an organization are curious and they take the time to go beyond what they can see, there are sort of fascinating treasures in terms of, so why would you be saying this? I'm interested in that. So this curiosity uh, is absolutely critical when we are trying to unplug the benefits of diversity. Now, one of the things I have had a lot of people like you on my show talk about leadership is we tend to look at the CEO or somebody in the C-suite as a leader. That's not true. I am a solopreneur, but I'm a leader to the people who follow me on social media or my email list or, I don't know, the Mark Stuchowski podcast. So you don't have to have a corner office in a Fortune 50 company to be a leader, correct? Absolutely. You know, leadership is uh, defined more and more, not in terms of your hierarchy or the span of control. Uh, in my mind, it is about impact. Mm. And uh, whether you're doing it uh, from your home studio or whether you're doing it uh, uh, and you're a new person in an organization that is a large one, it's about the day-to-day -day interactions. It's making the connections. It's... Uh, uh, yeah, it's leading with this curiosity and leadership. You know, when I talk about inclusive leader, I'm not talking about the CEO or the vice presidents. I'm talking about every person who has the opportunity to have impact. Where do you think diversity and inclusiveness is going as we move forward? I don't think we're ever going to go all back to the office. There's a lot of people who work very effectively or, in my word, productively at home. Now, I don't want my surgeon to be like FaceTiming me and tell me how to do surgery, okay? I, they're still going to go to the office. But where do you think the diversity and the inclusiveness goes as we go forward and we have a hybrid of always in the office, always at home, sometimes in the office, sometimes at home? Where do you see that going in the future in the years ahead? Yeah. So I have a sense we'll certainly never go back to the place that we were. Uh, in, uh, in terms of, of full time, nine to five, uh, the extent of traveling. Uh, so, so that's, uh, going to change. And I think what people have appreciated is the ability to actually work around their context, uh, around their requirements. And they've been really productive. If I look at myself, I used to travel around the world, uh, do meetings. And if I had to recount how productive I was, in a day, after the traveling and the check-in and the security, probably it was four hours a day. And now it can be 12 hours if I want it. So I think the benefit of it is uh, facilitating that. What we're seeing, however, is that this contact is still important. So I think the hybrid that we're going to be going to is more trust in the ability to navigate the requirements. It's not being present, but it's actually the delivery, but also creating the opportunity to connect at certain periods of time with your fellow co-workers. And I think, and I'd like to know what, if you agree with me or disagree with me on this, as we go forward, people are going to stop judging you based on things that don't matter. Hair color, the way you're dressed, as long as you're not wearing some vulgar, you know, saying on your shirt or, you know, some vulgar symbol, you know, your sexual preference, that doesn't matter. I, okay, I need you to do this job. Can you do this job? Now, 
there are some caveats here. If you're going to be a news reporter, you don't want someone who looked like they fell in the tackle box with all kinds of piercings and tattoos on their face. That probably wouldn't be good. But for if you're going to be a coder, I don't have a problem with it. I really think as we go forward, people are going to judge less on the way you look and more on what you can do. Would you agree with that? I would agree with you. And, uh, you know, I think it, de- it depends on the context and also how you're most productive. Uh, so, so if you are productive walking around uh, in slip slops, uh, in a jean with a, a T-shirt, but you're delivering the goods mm-hmm. and you're being able to relate, uh, yes, absolutely. And uh, that's important. And certainly when you're looking at Generation Z, you know, the younger people, uh, they are also getting over this appearance, you know, uh, in, in, in terms of they want to express themselves. And uh, part of expressing themselves is in terms of what they wear. And uh, so I think that we've got a lot more latitude. I do want to tell a, a story. I, I coach a number of students and uh, she was relating. She, she was uh, uh, being recruited by a bank. And in fact, during the whole process, she didn't meet a person virtually or physically. She had to dial up. She had to uh, then, uh, uh, you know, type in her name. Uh, she had to put her an ID. They did her case study. Uh, effectively, there were a number of questions that were replied. And so this bank, it's a European bank, in fact, wanted to have no prejudice, bias, discrimination mm. on the basis of appearance at all. So it was a virtual connection. And what she said afterwards, uh, you, you know, a lot of us who've counted on our privilege and how we look and how we come across uh, feel actually quite anxious about that because unconsciously we are aware that our appearance helps us. And in this case, it was a level playing field digitally. Do you feel overwhelmed and frustrated Are you under a lot of stress? There's a better way. You only get one life, so why not feel peace and freedom and enjoy your life? You can. Find out more at 90daystobustingoverwhelm.com. That is fascinating because let's say you have bright blue hair and you're interviewing with someone who's old school and right away, he or she is judging this other individual with the blue hair, where if you do it completely digital, the computer doesn't care. It's all zeros and ones. So that's that's a fascinating way of looking at it. By the way, I want to make sure that we didn't lose the listener. You said Generation Z. Everyone outside of America calls it Generation Z. We call it Generation Z. I don't know why. I didn't get the memo. I was not invited to the meeting. But when Kay said, Generation Z, that's what she meant. <laughs> so, so much. Under 22 and yeah, a very well, important generation. Yeah, yeah, it is. And, you know, I, when people ask me, what generation are you, are you in? I, I'm, I was born in 1965, so I think I'm the considered baby boomers. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm not a generation one kind of guy. I don't know what generation I fit into. I just know this is – I'm alive right now. That's, that's what I know at this point. Most important. So now when I, I want to go back to the book. Now, if you're listening to this on the audio, you can't really see this. You can go get her book. We'll tell you how to do it at the end of the show. Beyond DNI, I mean, if you are watching this on YouTube, is that not the coolest cover you've seen? I mean, it's it's got a whole bunch of colors on here. 
because it's about leading with diversity, purpose, and inclusiveness. And she has almost all the colors on here, but black and white, which is okay because we have enough black and white, not the race, not the race, the color in the world. And let's be honest, every color is made of black and white in some hue anyways. But I can tell you, this book is a hefty book. It's not that it's thick. Is this supposed to be a textbook, a college textbook? No, well, some of the business schools are going to be uh, using it uh, for the executive education. Okay. But it is a book uh, for leaders and practitioners. And, okay. you, you know, when you look at diversity and maybe a question in terms of, so why would you write a book that is pretty dense, is what I see is that leaders are saying diversity is important and they don't know what to do. And because they don't know what they do, they go to someone with an HR or a different department and they say, do it for us. And uh, <laughs> what this is trying to do is to navigate it. You know, it starts with, so, so what is your organization doing? What is, is its mandate? It starts with the most strategic question. And the second question is, in order to fulfill its mandates, or its strategic goals in a very changing an environment, what talent, diversity of talent do you need to deliver on your mandate? And then it goes to saying, so what are the dimensions that you're actually missing and why? So it's a very strategic uh, handbook for a leader to, to, to really make substance of diversity. Now, the question I have for you is you were talking there. I, I, this question popped into my head. As we go forward, and and I mean forward, I mean tomorrow, next week, next month, next quarter, people are going to make mistakes as they try to go beyond diversity inclusiveness. Now, you already alluded to one where you went to HR or some other department. And you're like, oh, you do it for us. What are some of the other mistakes that people are making now and you have a fair degree of certainty that they're going to make in the future that maybe by listening to this conversation, they won't make those mistakes. So mistake number one is uh, what I call uh, ticking the box uh, or the window dressing. And I say to leaders, and we've just qualified who a leader is. Mm -hmm. If you are not serious about this topic, and you simply put something out there because everyone else is doing it, mm -hmm. you are at risk. You, you, you know, if you're going to do something, you need to know what you're getting into and you need to be clear about why you're doing it. Second one, don't do it top down. You can't force diversity within an organization or others. You actually have to invite people to be part of the process. So I say do it top down, bottom up, invite people who feel uh, 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 th that that is important. Number three, you know, some people start diversity uh, journeys and saying, we want to do this and they don't have any talent and they're not going to make investments. You know, the reality is it's going to take some investment. Mm -hmm. So budget for it. Number four, you need to measure uh, and be clear about what you're measuring. You know, uh, uh, I found, and there's been a lot of research about it, 75% of all diversity investments have zero impact. So what it's meaning wow. is it's just not delivering. 
So there needs to be a rigor in terms of, so what is our goal? What are we going to do? And are we doing things that are actually moving the needle? Uh, and I think maybe the last one is what you do day to day, whether you're a leader of one or a leader of a team counts. Uh, the research is saying is that your behaviors day to day is having a 70% impact in people's credibility around what is being done. So if you're talking about diversity and inclusion and you are not seen to be inclusive, you've got a problem. I like when you talked about ticking the box. It's almost like it's the flavor of the month. Oh, I heard about diversity. Okay, what do we have to do to tick that box? And to your point, that's the wrong way to look at diversity inclusiveness. That's you're just like the there's a big term that we've been using a lot last couple of years, virtual signaling. That's all that is. You are not really caring about diversity, inclusivity, inclusivity. You are in more concerned about how you look because you check the box. Correct. Absolutely. Uh, and w- what happens is people uh, are already cynical about all of this discussion around diversity. A, because they're not able to define it. B, Mm -hmm. they're fearful that actually it means that they're going to lose something. They're going to lose a promotion or they're going to lose their job. Uh, So so people are fearful uh, already. And so if people don't get why you're doing it and they don't believe that you're credible, uh, it, it, it just sort of goes into itself. It's, it, it, it's, it, it really becomes a, a difficult process. But when people say, ah, now I know why we're doing this, and this is what the intent is for the organization, and guess what? I actually become a beneficiary of it. And now I see my leaders actually walking the talk. There is a whole different impression about what is happening out there. Hmm. You know, I want to take this into the sports world just for a second because I have some friends who look at the like National Basketball Association or the National Football League, which is primarily African Americans. Okay. And some people go, Why are there so many blacks on these teams? I'm like, Do you want to win the Super Bowl? Do you want to win the championship? Because if I had to have all purple uh, purple unicorns on my team and that's what would get me to the promised land, I don't care about that. I want the best players. Let's take this back into the business world. I think we need to stop looking at color. We need to stop looking at hair color. We need to stop looking at gender. And when you say, what is the, who are the people I can put on my team that is going to get us to the promised land? And I think if we started doing that and you have to do it right, you can't just say, you know, make stupid tweets, as we should say, we've got to make it smart. But I think every leader, if they're really a quality leader, they want to win. And so they want winners on their team. And I think a true leader in this day and age, especially in 2022, don't care what your sexual gender identity is or what color your hair is. Can you get us to the promised land? So you get it. Uh, one of the case studies I talk about in the book is the Central Bank of Ireland. And in 2008, when we had the financial uh, a, a collapse, mm-hmm. yep. uh, they were asked, how ready are we? 
And uh, in, in fact, they went. Uh, the day after Lehman Brothers collapsed, uh, uh, two banks uh, went bankrupt, uh, the government had to rescue it. And the question was, why could the Central Bank of Ireland not predict and mitigate the risk that was coming? And what is so interested is to your point, they didn't have the winning team to do that. So a, a central bank has to, in fact, um, uh, use monetary policy to mitigate risk on the behalf of its citizens. What do you need to do that? Well, you need uh, uh, to have uh, a different specializations. You can't only come uh, with people who are banking. You might need to have sociology and you might need uh, to, to have other things. You need to have uh, different disciplines. Uh, in this case, uh, a lot of their citizens are women and men. So they needed to have that congruence with their customers, etc. And so when the central bank started saying, so how do we prevent this occurring from the future? They defined the winning team, which mm. would allow them to mitigate risk. And that's what you're saying. You know, every organization has to say, I'm operating in a complex world in order to deliver to my customers, to be able to innovate, to be able to deliver the goods. I need to have a talent profile that allows me to do that. I need to define that. And I need then to ensure that I'm getting the people and the talent in that allows that. So, so you're absolutely right. And so it's more than our gender. It's more than color. It's, but if we're thinking about customers and that is a large part of our customer group, clearly that becomes a key dimension. 100%. And it's like I tell people on my show, I mean, this show is geared toward solopreneurs and smaller entrepreneurs, but I can't prevent someone in the Netherlands listening to the show who has no idea what a solopreneur or an entrepreneur even is, but you got to have some kind of semblance. This is where we want to go. This is how we're going to get there. This is the teammates we need to have on our, on our ship. And you just go about your business getting toward wherever you want to go to the promised land. So before we wrap up, Kay, is there anything else that we didn't get a chance to talk about that you feel on your heart that you want to share with us today? Perhaps my last uh, comment is what I sense is that many people feel anxious about diversity. As I said, it's in the top 10 words that cause people <laughs> most uh, discomfort. But actually, it's a lot of fun because when you take the veil off in terms of what people look or put take away the labels and you become actually curious about what is the complement of people that allow me to deliver what I need to do. And you make that connection. It's extraordinary fun. Uh, so, you know, maybe my uh, last point is this can be really interesting uh, and it can be strategic. So uh, I would say started in that spirit. I love it. Well, your book is called Beyond DNI, Leading Diversity with Purpose and Inclusiveness. I'm sure they can get this at Amazon and Barnes and Noble and wherever great books are sold. But you probably have a website we can go to and you're probably on social media. So tell us more about that. Yes. Uh uh, the uh, company that I'm working globally in terms of diversity and performance is called Diversity and Performance. Um, and uh, you can see the website. The book has a book site which is called Beyond 
diversityandinclusion.com and all the models and the research that I'm talking about. And I've got a YouTube uh, video where I talk about the book. So uh, really looking forward to interact with your listeners. Okay, I want to thank you for being on the show today. Now I can go ahead and start reading your book now that I've had you on the show. And I really hope you enjoyed your time here. And thank you so much for sharing your insight with our with our viewers and our listeners. Thank you so much. Lovely being with you today. And before we go, I just want to say thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. I know that there is an endless stream of options for you in this day and age, but you took the time to listen to the episode, and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Don't forget to head on over to top5productivitytips.com and get my gift to you, my top five productivity tips. Remember, it's the number five in top5productivitytips.com. They will serve you well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We'll see you again real soon.